and another sign that the Vatican doesn't like the proliferation of the traditional liturgy and traditional sacraments without the permission of the bishops, Pope Francis has changed canon law that makes it much, much harder for groups of the consecrated to start communities, whether of the traditional kind or of the modernist kumbaya variety. This is clearly an attempt at stagnating the growth of the traditionalist movement, which is growing literally everywhere, and too quickly for the tastes of some. The demand is clearly increasing, especially as groups from across the spectrum keep offering the Mass and sacraments when others recently were not. These groups all represent, to one degree or another, the great defense of the faith against modernism, and all that the ideas of Teilhard de Chardin stood for. Today I'll get into the details of that story, so we can make some sense of what is going on. The ins and outs of the canons of the Church are not something most Catholics understand, even if they profess that they do, though this change, how the Church operates, is fairly straightforward. Francis has now published yet another modu proprio, this one entitled Authenticum Charismatis, Authentic Charism, I guess, by which the text of Canon 579 is modified, which previously read as follows. Diocesan bishops, each in his own territory, can start institutes of consecrated life by formal decree, provided that the apostolic see has been consulted. That's the old canon. Now, Francis's change reads, Diocesan bishops, each in his own territory, can open institutes of consecrated life by formal decree, with the prior written permission of the apostolic see. It now requires the written permission of the Holy See to establish a new, dio a new Benedictine monastery or anything else. It's kind of curious, isn't it? In other words, up until yesterday, bishops had the obligation of consulting the Holy See prior to definitively starting an institute of consecrated life in their dioceses. But now in order to do this, they not only have the obligation of asking, but they have to actually obtain in writing the permission of the Holy See. Otherwise, their act is null. This might seem like mere nuance, and indeed it could almost seem that previously a bishop had to have the approval of the Holy See before starting a consecrated institute, but technically, according to the canons of the church, this is not so. And this is not even true in theology, which, remember, is the soul of canon law, which intends the the bishops, as a successor of the apostles, to be free to evaluate the charism of the particular institute and inform the Holy See of its establishment without the necessity of having a formal placid or even worse, a written license. Some are pointing out how odd this is that it comes from the same pope whose mantra is synodality, even in relation to the sacraments, as we saw in Amoris Laetitia. Remember, we had a synod on synods not that long ago, and synodality is at its most basic level a strange recognition by the Holy See that the bishops acting together can have huge amounts of authority in the church well beyond their own dioceses. Yet this move clearly is putting the brakes on that, at least in this one fairly narrow but far-reaching aspect of life in the church. Now why is that? Because the traditional liturgy is growing, and one place it is growing is among the consecrated communities, among the monks and nuns who spend their lives in prayer and labor for the church you know, the men and women whose lives are a model for all of us. If Samorum Pontificum is ended, the main hypothesis is that all authority over the liturgy will go back to the local bishop, but the nature of communities of monks and nuns and the like leaves an area of uncertainty and ambiguity in all that. Hence this action. For my money, this is done strictly out of concern about the rise of the pre-conciliar sacraments. If you are not familiar with a traditionalist parish, you know, like the fraternity or the SSPX or anything else, it's not only the traditional Latin Mass, but the baptisms are done in the pre-conciliar form, confession, everything. And now we've seen all this before, though, with groups of nuns and monks coming under intense pressure from Rome, 
to adopt the, the post-conciliar approaches to consecrated life. Cardinal Burke recently spoke about the growth of pre-conciliar sacraments, especially the Mass, at a conference recently. According to Burke, there are in the hierarchy those who want to go beyond giving all supervision of the Mass to the liturgy, and instead would definitively abrogate the Latin Mass, because those contradicting the Depositum Fide are permitted to do so, is, so his hypothesis goes, those who would seek to end the Mass of the Ages are emboldened. Looking at you, Jimmy Martin. Burke listed two events which recently touched the Old Rite, the end of the Commission Ecclesia Dei and the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith's survey about the implementation of the Modu Proprio Summorum Pontificum. For Burke, the reasons for both are not immediately evident, but he doubts the Vatican's version that these were simply routine administrative acts. Recently, there have been stories promulgated by various people saying that this survey is nothing to be concerned about, that the bishops have seen some value in keeping the Latin Mass available in their dioceses, and I'm sure for some of the bishops who are indifferent to the whole issue, they have seen some value. But it's not true in all cases. Remember my thesis about this story. That Samorum Pontificum will eventually be suspended, putting the control of the liturgy squarely in the hands of the local bishop. Under Samorum Pontificum, the bishop cannot deny the faithful the traditional liturgy if there is enough demand, and priests have the right to say the Mass using the 1962 Missal if they so choose. While it's not being enforced, some bishops acknowledge it even if they don't like it. Under what is likely coming, the bishops will have total control, which will mean no more diocesan Latin Masses. The FSSP either being dismissed from some dioceses, which can happen already, or, as some suggest, being forced to modify the traditional liturgy. Keep your eye out in case that happens. Not to mention the traditional communities, which is where the control is being exercised first, for the most part because these groups are well outside the eye of the vast majority of the faithful. In some areas, these groups thrive. See the monks at Clear Creek Abbey here in my own state of Oklahoma, for example. But in other places, they famously have troubles with the local ordinary. I've covered numerous cases of that in the past, and we can expect to see more of it in the future. This change to the canons makes it clear that the Vatican is trying to nip the growth of these organizations in the bud now. They have every reason to be concerned, too, as the traditional groups are growing, either in the seminaries or in the orders, while the modernist ones are withering. Modernism is self-defeating in the long run, and tradition is growing. We know this without a doubt, and the modernists know this as well. What would a real renewal in the church look like, though? Um, I'll finish all of this with an article from the Catholic World Report website. It gives you an idea. And it goes into the story of St. Charles Borromeo and how he led a renewal of the faith in the, in the church in his time. To paraphrase it, we need to look only to his life. Ostensibly, Francis's motu proprio is aimed at a renewal of Catholic life. I'm sure that's what his intended purpose is, what, he, what his reasoning was. You know, we're, according to that, to be agents of his in the world. St. Charles offers a slightly different path. To paraphrase that article, it sounds that it sounds like that as a cardinal and later as a bishop of, our, of Milan, St. Charles Borromeo promoted a great program of institutional renewal of the church, which had an astonishing effect on countless members of the clergy and laity. He combined sound, precise, if not highly ornate preaching with severe asceticism, penetrating critical eye towards the intersection of parish life and everyday life, a focus on spreading the gospel and salvation, and a dual emphasis on both the spiritual and corporal works of mercy in all of his educational programs. No doubt, St. Charles was born to be a leader, and he exercised a charism for ecclesial leadership early in his life, all the way through the end. He spent his life building the church up. At the core of this was a recognition that our lives as Catholics are to be led as witnesses for our blessed Lord Jesus Christ, and how we worship is as critical as how we act, and how those two are inseparable. Does Francis's new motu proprio recognize that? Maybe. It 
seems doubtful, though, as this action comes from a place that almost certainly seeks to see the ending of the preconciliar mass, or at the very least, the preconciliar teaching in favor of what I talked about yesterday. The Magisterium of Francis, whatever that is. The local bishops are a useful way of attaining all that. But what do you think about this? Am I off base in thinking that this is all about the Mass and the other sacraments in their preconciliar form? Let me know in the comments below, and please pray for the Church and the world, especially now. Thanks for listening. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.